Would you remain standing in honor of God's word? First Kings chapter number 18, verse number 41 is where I'm starting from. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. I don't know about you, but I like to listen to the sounds of heaven rather than the sounds of the world. And when you tune your ear into heaven, you hear of better things and you hear of a better tomorrow and a brighter tomorrow. And I want to encourage you not to listen to the news as your forecaster of what's going to happen in your life and in our world. But I want to encourage you to listen to what God says, because God is the one who has the final say. Amen. It doesn't really matter what happens around us when we live in relationship with the Lord. God can bless us in any season of life. Moreover, God wants to bless us in down seasons of life so that we can be a blessing and show people the love of the Father. So he said, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and there he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up, look now toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. Remember that. As small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. One more text before we pray. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Today in our series, Alternate Universe, And on this special offering weekend, I want to minister to you on a subject that God laid on my heart. I'm calling it, Everyone Needs a Cloud. Everyone needs a cloud. Say, Pastor, I don't need no cloud in my life. Trust me, everyone needs a cloud. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your might, by your power, by your Holy Spirit, would you minister to the hearts and lives of every person. Today, I pray that they would leave here closer to you. And in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. I want to set up our two texts by sharing with you perhaps a new perspective on clouds. When we think of clouds, we think of gloominess and we think of depression. We think of the current climate of doom and gloom. We think of pandemics and shutdowns and economic uncertainty. Clouds are often symbols that are ominous in our lives. Moreover, nobody gets excited about a cloudy day, and everybody loves a sunny day. We even have medical classifications for the negative effects that cloudy days have on the human psyche as opposed to um, sunny days. And when we talk about a beautiful day, we often talk about the day in relation to how much sun there was and how much of the beautiful sky that we can see. But contrary to our common conclusions about clouds, the scripture uses the imagery of clouds to represent the presence of God 
and his redemptive plan. Not the ominous, but rather the omnipotence and rather the omniscience and rather the omnipresence of our good, good heavenly father. The first place that we see this type of symbolism in scripture of clouds is in the story of the flood. In Genesis chapter 9, we find that God promises to put a rainbow in the clouds as a sign of his covenant of mercy, that he will never destroy the earth again by flood. And this is uh, very closely akin to what we see in the book of Revelation, where around the throne of God, the throne of mercy, the Bible says there is a rainbow. And so the rainbow is a covenant of God's mercy toward mankind. How many of you know we all need God's mercy? Thank God is ner- his mercy is new every morning and great is his faithfulness. I don't know about you, but every day I get up, I said, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Because if God just did me like I deserve to be done, I'd come undone. I'm glad that God is a merciful God. How many of you know everybody needs a cloud like that in their lives? Clouds were also prominent in how God led the children of Israel through the wilderness. The pillar of cloud by which he led them through the wilderness was a symbol to them of God's presence and protection. The cloud shielded them from the blistering sun and also kept them hidden from their enemies. How many of you know everybody needs God's protection and provision in their life? Everybody needs a cloud. When God came down to Mount Sinai to talk with Moses, he did so by means of a cloud that rested on the mountain. And for six days, the cloud rested on the mountain. And on the seventh day, God spoke out of the cloud. The cloud was symbolic of the wisdom of God and the voice of God. A cloud was what came and overshadowed those present at the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, which means rock. James, which is the Gentile version of Jacob, which means supplanter, right? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Peter, J- uh, James, and John. And then John, which means grace. And so when you put that all together, those three were with Jesus all the time because they represented his message that he came to supplant the law with grace. And you remember in Luke chapter 9, how Jesus took them up to the Mount of Transfiguration and there they saw Moses which represented the law and Elijah which represented the prophets. But you remember that Jesus was also present and he in his person, his embodiment was what the law and the prophets pointed to. And you remember as they were watching that God spoke out of a cloud and he said this is my beloved son to whom you shall listen. In other words, even though the prophets were great and even though the law was great There is one that is greater than the law and the prophets, and you need to tune in to what he has to say. As we go through the scriptures in Acts chapter number 9, we find that when Jesus was taken up from the earth, it says he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. In Revelation chapter number 1, verse number 7, it says when he comes back, he's coming back on the clouds, and every eye will see him. Clouds in scripture represent God. God's presence, God's protection, God's direction, God's wisdom, God's voice, God's mercy, God's grace, and God's blessing. Everybody needs a cloud in their life. So the next time you're tempted to complain about a cloudy day, or the next time you're tempted to say, oh, my life has got all these cloudy, ominous things around them, I want you to look at those circumstances and I want you to say, that's evidence that God's blessing is all about me. Everybody needs a cloud. With that as the backdrop, 
as we come to our story, to the Jewish mind, the clouds were also seen as one of the signs of their most treasured blessings from the Lord, which was rain. Rain to them was one of the biggest blessings that God could give them. A drought to them was like an economic shutdown is to us. And rain from heaven was their stimulus package. That's, that's how they got their economy rolling again. Rain to them to water their crops so they could feed and provide for their families. Rain to them was like the stock market is to us when it's going up. It wasn't the election or the prospects of a vaccine that caused their economic condition to change. It was the sign of a cloud in the sky. Everybody needs a cloud. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that rain is a blessing from the Lord. And that's why it says in Matthew 5, our other text, that we ought to be like our heavenly father, children of our heavenly father. When we do good to those who persecute us, hate us, treat us badly. Why? Because then we are like our heavenly father, listen to it, who makes it rain on both the evil and the good, both the just and the unjust. And so rain was a blessing from the Lord. And when we come to first Kings chapter number 18, we find the children of Israel in desperate need of rain. They've been in a drought for three and a half years and it's turned their lives upside down. It's tanked their economy. It's caused death and diseases in pandemic proportions. It has caused depression and worry and civil unrest and even religious persecution from the wicked queen Jezebel and King Ahab. Sounds like history might be repeating itself all over again in a different way. But there was a prophet in the land who God was going to use to turn on the faucet of heaven so that they can regain some normalcy. Now, I know politics are important to everybody, but can I tell you something? That who is in the White House, the president does not determine whether the reign of heaven comes on the land. It is the people of God. It is the preaching that happens from the pulpits. It is the prophets of God who determine the blessing of God and not who's in the White House, although we know that's important and I don't make light of that. Now, this is not my subject, but I'd be remiss to say that the primary purpose of the drought was to cause the people to turn back to God. That the whole reason why they went through three and a half years of struggle was that they can turn their hearts that had strayed back to the Lord. And I want to remind you that turbulent times are a call for us to turn our hearts back to the God that we have strayed from so that his blessings can flow in our lives. So Elijah is getting ready to be used by God to turn on the faucet of heaven for them to receive the rain, which would change everything in their lives. And he's going to get ready to call down rain, just like he called down fire from heaven when he had the showdown with the prophets of Baal. And if you read the story, you know that calling down fire came before calling down rain. And I don't mean to digress, but can I tell you, fire always precedes rain. Say, what do you mean, pastor? Fire is symbolic of judgment and purging, and rain is symbolic of blessing. And can I tell you the cycles of God and how they work is that purging always precedes providence in your life. And God taking out all the garbage always precedes God pouring out all his blessings in our lives. And so anytime we go through challenging times in our lives, instead of losing hope, we should be begin to look up because we know that God is getting ready to unleash something even better than it was before. But purging is never fun and fire is never a happy time. 
And so Elijah, as he's getting ready to turn on the faucets of heaven, tells his servant to go and um, look to see if he can see any clouds over the sea. And he goes six times, and each time he reports back and, and to Elijah. And, and, and he says, he says, there is nothing. And Elijah says, go again. And I know I've preached on this before, but I want to encourage somebody, go again. I want to encourage somebody, don't quit. I want to encourage somebody, try again, pray again. Pastor, forgive again. Pastor, I tried to forgive and nothing, do it again. I turned the other cheek and nothing, do it again. I apologized and nothing, do it again. I tried to get some, get the love back in my marriage and nothing happened. Try again. Don't give up again and again and again and again. Again is the refrain of heaven. And as you keep trying, eventually God's triumph will show up in your life. So he keeps sending him again. Six times he goes and he reports back. Six times Elijah says, go again. Six, by the way, is the number of man. Six is symbolic of us trying to do it in our own strength. Can I tell you the results of trying to do things in our own strength? Nothing. Six times he went, nothing, 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 nothing. But on the seven times, seven is the number of God. It's the number of perfection. It symbolizes that when God intervenes, when man stops trying to do it on his own and invites God into the situation, that then God turns nothing into something. I want to encourage you, don't keep trying life all by yourself. Our problem in this world is not Democrats and Republicans. It's we are trying to do it all by ourself. And God is sitting here going, y'all need me. Just want y'all to know you need me. You could try it with this party in power. Watch how it turns out. You could try it with this party in power. Watch how it turns out. God is saying, you need me, me, seven, the number of God. And so after he's exhausted doing it his own way, on the seventh time God shows up, look at First Kings chapter number 18, verse number 44. Go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And it happened that in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. From the story, I want to give you three facts about these clouds that everybody needs. Number one, people right now are praying earnestly for clouds. Praying earnestly. Notice what Elijah did. He went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And then he bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees. Very literally, this is the birthing position. And ladies who have given birth, you know that if your face while you're giving birth ever gets up between your knees, that you are pushing with everything that you got. And here is the description and here is the type and the symbolism that God is saying. Right now, people are praying desperately for God to show up. Desperately for a blessing to come their way. Desperately. Some people need it so they can put food on their table. That lies in the balance. Other people paying their rent or their mortgage lies in the balance. The health of their loved one lies in the balance. Their sanity lies in the balance. The survival of their business lies, lies in the balance. People are praying earnestly right now for a cloud to show up in their lives. Here's what God told me to share with you, church. Let's be their cloud. Let's be that cloud of blessing in people's lives. But number two, clouds combat the conclusion that comes from nothing. Notice 
Servant went up, he looked, verse number 43, came back, he said, there is nothing. Six times he fights through the disappointment and goes and looks anyway. Six times he musters up enough energy to try again. Six times he pushes aside the empty feeling and goes anyway. Six times he tunes out the internal dialogue and the discussion of demons that goes on on the inside. You know about that, don't you? And I'm not talking about little demons, but I'm talking about when you have to fight your demons. You have to fight your demons of I tried and nothing happened and I I pushed forward and nothing happened and I gave my best effort and nothing happened and I prayed real hard and nothing happened. Six times, pushing through. And all six times he hears the words, there is nothing. I want to talk to somebody right now who's heard those words. There's nothing. There's nothing more we can do. There's nothing left. There's, There's no more money to pay the bills. There's nothing, no way to make it happen. There's no chance of turning things around. There's no love left in the marriage. I've tried everything I know. There is nothing. Three words that are sent into our life in order to signify the end and to cause us to quit, to quit on hope, to quit on faith, to quit on God, to quit on the promise of a better tomorrow and a brighter day. And in the midst of those three words, there is nothing, a cloud the size of a man's hand shows up. Not a big cloud, maybe not even technically large enough to even be called a cloud, but it was called a cloud. And when that little cloud showed up, you know what happened? Hope arose. First Kings chapter 18, verse number 44b says, when he saw that cloud, he said, get up. Go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot. You better get down off this mountain before the rain stops you. Friends, here's what we need to do. We need to become people's clouds. We need to help people get their hope back. The very hope that the enemy tries to steal from people's hearts because he knows that if he can steal people's hope, he can steal people's lives. I heard about a study that was done. I read about this years ago by Duke, by Duke University. And, and they took the phrase, where there's life, there's hope, and they tested it to see if it was true. Have you ever wondered whether some of the things we say are true? Well, they, they tested it. And they got some rats, the poor rats, they always get the short end of the stick, you know. And they, they put the rats in, in this, this water, this container, and there was no way, no hope for the rats to swim out alive. And what they noticed is that the rats would just swim for a very short period of time, but when they realized there was no way out, they ducked their heads and drowned themselves. And then they took some other rats, and they put these other rats in a container where it was hard to get out, but there was at least hope to get out. And what they found is that those rats would swim and swim and swim, and they would never stop, and the only way they would stop is they would, they would, their hearts would burst from exhaustion, and they would stop. And what they wound up proving is the opposite of what many people believe. Many people believe that where there's life, there's hope. Truth of the matter is, where there's hope, there's life. See, when people lose hope, they want to give up. When people lose hope, they want to throw in a towel. But where there is hope, there is that fight that says, you know what, I'm going to keep going. And you know what we need to do? We need to realize that clouds combat the quit in life that people have. That when a cloud of blessing, no matter how small it is, shows up in people's life, it becomes a big deal to people. I want to be a person's cloud. Number three, and lastly, clouds cause people to give glory to God. 
First Kings chapter 18, verse 44. Again, there is a cloud. As small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. I've looked at this verse in so many different ways. First, I thought that the servant just made it up because he didn't want to keep running back and forth. If I was a servant, I would have made it up. I'd be like, yeah, I saw a little cloud, just a little one, you know. But I think it's significant. Cloud the size of a man's hand. I thought of all the things that you could say it looked like. A man's hand. Why did it say cloud the size of a deck of cards? Maybe it didn't have cards back then. I don't know. Maybe, maybe why did it say cloud the size of a small loaf of bread? Cloud the size of a small fish. Cloud the size of maybe some uh, papyrus, writing paper. You know, cloud the size of, uh, of somebody's wallet. What, what? Cloud the size of, you know, a cup. Why did he say a cloud the size of a man's hand? Because I believe this, that when we become a cloud in person's life, when we give people hope by doing something even small for them, they are able to see the hand of God in their lives. Of all the things that they could have said, I believe that was God saying, that's my hand right there. And every time a cloud comes into somebody's life, what we do is we give them their hope back. And when people have hope, it is the access way to faith. Do you know people without hope struggle with faith? The Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And here's what that means. It means if you give somebody hope, it's easier for them to take this step to faith. And so I don't know about you, Faith Church, but I want to give people some hope because ultimately in giving people hope, I want them to get the greatest hope of all as they step across the line of faith and put their faith in the one person who is really hope, and that is Jesus Christ. Let's give people their hope back. Church, today I want to encourage you as we prepare our hearts to participate in the special offering. Let's join forces right now. We're doing this at all of our locations. We're going to join forces right now in these chaotic times to be somebody's cloud. And as we prepare our hearts, I want to show you this little testimony of how one person got hope from one of the organizations that we have supported. And then I want to show you another presentation that we made and then we're going to bless a few more organizations so so check this out hi my name is teresina i was born and raised in southern california i grew up with two alcoholic parents who divorced when i was about eight years old my mother had a relationship with a younger man and so me and him didn't get along so my mother told me to leave the home at about age 11 um from then, I was searching for significance and acceptance, and I found it in drugs and street gangs. For the next 20 of years of my life, I was in and out of mental institutions. I had committed, tried to commit suicide and uh, in and out of jail, and I had been pregnant four times, two in which I aborted, and two children that I wasn't able to care for because of my addiction. Um, it was about five years ago I found myself completely hopeless broken. I didn't care if I lived. I didn't care if I died. Um, I found myself incarcerated and um, during a church service one night I heard a chaplain giving her testimony of how her story sounded so similar to mine but how she had found freedom and hope. And so she had told me she was a graduate of the home over 20 years ago of the Hoving Home. And so I thought well maybe there's some hope for me. So I called and I entered the doors of the Pasadena Hoving Home about four years ago and I finally found 
the love, acceptance, and family that I've searched for my entire life. Four years later, I can say that I am proud to serve as the facilities coordinator in the New York location and able to deliver hope and freedom to other women whose stories are just like mine. And I know that um, Jesus loved me so much to save me, but he loved me even more not to leave me the way I was. So the scripture I believe in is that Romans 5, 8, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. There is a cloud beginning to swell. Chief, Chief Richard Squires and firefighter Kevin Hall. Kevin Hall. And uh, they are a volunteer uh, fire company here in the New Milford area, Water Witch Hose Company number two. Is that yep, right? That is correct. And these guys are absolutely amazing. They do this all for free. They watch over us, they, they keep us safe, and uh, they also spread joy in the community, especially during this time. You do the Santa, trade the sleigh for the ride on the fire truck. Yep. And also, when we were going through COVID, they rang the unity bell every... Every night at eight o'clock. Every night at eight o'clock. And we did that for about three months. And so we, as a church, wanted to say thank you, and we have a check for you guys. Our donation from the generosity of the people at Faith Church to say thank you to you guys for everything you do. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. I'd like to thank everybody. Um, It's really an honor um, to uh, to accept this check and put it towards some good use. Um, Our fundraising this year has been down. You know, we weren't able to do our chicken barbecues, our roast beef dinners, and stuff. Before we go ahead and receive our special offering, we're going to go ahead and, and bless a couple more organizations. Um, the first organization that I'd like us to bless is the police department here locally. Amen. Our men and women in blue who serve us so faithfully, we have a great police department here. During these tumultuous times, they have been bridge builders. Um, The chief is a wonderful man who has felt the sensitivities of the community and been a bridge builder. And uh, there are so many of our men and women in blue who suffer some things on the job that we don't know about. A lot of times there's losses. Um, A lot of times um, they go home Sometimes they don't go home, and they're left with families and kids, medical issues, PTSD, things like that. And um, so we wanted to um, bless our police department. So I'd like to call up um, Police Union Treasurer Mark Lynch, um, Police Department Canine Officer Mark Williams, and Captain Al Wisconsin, uh, Will, Will Coxon. I think I got that right. Yes? Not Wisconsin, that's Green Bay Packers. Would you all come up and on behalf of Faith Church, I would love to present you with this check. Come on, give it up for our police officers. We love these guys. Treasurer gets it. This is our check for $5,000 for you guys just to say thank you for all you do. We pray that you'll use it to help some officers and their families in need. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I don't know if you all shake or don't shake or fist pump or whatever. There you go. God bless you all. One of you want to say anything? Or no, you don't have to. Well, first off, uh, this is tremendous. We were not expecting this. Um, Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Rich. Thank you, Pastor Al. Thank you to everybody that gives. The Milford Police Union, our motto 
is committed to our community. The most important word in that sentence to us is our. New Milford is our town. We want to improve it. We want to support it. We want to make it better every day. We are here for everybody. And today we feel also that our community is committed to us. And we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, our last organization that we want to be a blessing to um, is an organization that is near and dear to our hearts. Um, it's probably not a secret. Um, they, there are two people who run it and come to our church. It's called Fostering Hope. Um, they help families, foster families, get reunited, get back on their feet. Um, they've helped over 600 families since their inception. Um, it's run by Mike and Rachel Doyle. Um, over Christmas time, they do, I think it's called Breakfast with Santa. Is that right? Do you play Santa, Mike? Okay, because I think you'd make a good Santa. Anyway, would Mike and Rachel come on up? And I'm sorry, police department, we didn't have a fancy check for you, but it got misprinted. But Mike and, and, and Rachel, would you guys come up? We want to be a blessing to you and help you reach some more families. Rachel and Mike, on behalf of the generosity of your church family, we want to present you with this check for $5,000 to help you guys be a blessing to more foster families. Love you, brother. Love you. Um, thank you so much. Um, as Pastor Frank was speaking, the message was about hope. And that is in our name. We go in and we deliver hope to people who have overcome addictions, who have come overcome mental illness, who have gotten their children back. We help um, foster youth have aged out of the system. We help get them homes. And we just spread the love and hope of Jesus into the foster care system. So thank you so much. We will use this and we'll spread more hope. Love you guys. By the way, I think they have 17 kids here with them tonight. Did you bring all 17 tonight? Only nine tonight. Okay. 17 kids in their house at one time. I mean, that's crazy. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. There's something wrong with the two of you. I promise you that. Anyway, church, it is a t our time to go ahead and give in our special offering. And as you can see, we're going to continue to be a blessing to our community. I really believe with all my heart that God has blessed us, equipped us, positioned us to give people hope, especially now. And um, it's all because of your generosity that we're able to do everything that we've done. And I want to pledge as your pastor to continue to lead us during these difficult times in a way that gives our community and the surrounding world the hope that so many are missing right now. And ultimately, that hope is in Jesus Christ. And so the best way for you to give, and you, all you know this, is to text the word give, right, to the number that is on your screen, 860-544-5054 at your campuses. There's your own individual campus number. And then you'll get a link. Choose that this is us special offering. Give your gift right there. Some of you may have already done this before you came to church. Some of you may do it when you leave church. If you can do it now, do it now. If you want to give the old-fashioned way, the good old old-fashioned way, there are envelopes on the back of your chairs. You can choose the line that says, this is us. And you can put that offering in the buckets on your way out at the doors with your regular tithes and offerings. I want to say how proud I am 
of every single one of you and of this church. And I really mean that. I know you're probably maybe a little sick of hearing me saying it. You guys are one of a kind. I'm telling you, you're one of a kind. I talk to a lot of pastors, and there aren't a lot of churches right now, and we pray that there will be more that are doing as well as we are. And the reason is because of the faithfulness of people like you. So I love you with all my heart. Let's go ahead and pray over this offering, and we're going to worship the Lord and dismiss. Father, thank you for the generosity of your people. Thank you, Lord, that as you've been a blessing to us, that you've shown us the joy of being a blessing to others. And we pray that you would receive this offering, put your hand on it, guide it, lead it. Father, let it bring hope and healing to many people. But most of all, let it help for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached in our communities. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.